frontiers today to tell us what the impact of integrating technology on ourselves. We have invited Ms. Tanya Blatch. Join me on the stage, Tanya. Oh. I guess there were some technical difficulties, and we all know that that happens quite frequently with technology. Uh, so, right now, my name is Saborgia. Tanya invited me today because she created an alter ego. This was spawned by all of the different ways she was portrayed online. She believes that I am the cyber composite of all the technophile fantasies of a femborg. In any case, as an invention of Tanya's, I am so grateful to be here at the Frontiers of Interaction Conference. As you get to know me, you will know how much I like to interact with humans and with technology. I do have quite the fetish for frontiers. Anyway, why don't we start with a little game of interaction. My ancestors, sisters, brothers, mothers, women tethered to technology who inspire will be gracing us shortly in their uber gl glory. The machines in their ghosts need to be recognized. They need a little bit of encouragement. 
So if you recognize any of these fierce goddesses above, I'm going to ask you to shout out their names or send out some sort of sweet tweet haiku into the digital void. They need to hear their names. The more you interact with their ghosts, the more you bring their robotic dreams to life. So next we have, see if you recognize this woman. It's sort of an obscure film. It's uh, from Doomsday. This woman is named Major Eden Sinclair. She has a cybernetic eye, and it is made for focusing on weaponry. And uh, she is an assassin. I'm sure you recognize this woman, slash Borg. Seven of nine. She was assimilated into the Borg when she was six. Historically, we were the villain, the epitome of the deep, dark fears of what will become of humans after emerging of man and machine. We, will, we wonder, as cyborgs, as we continue to merge technology and the body, what are our rights? Will we enact an insurrection similar to iRobot, Blade Runner, or Battlestar Galactica? Does anybody recognize this woman from anime? Ghost in the Shell. This woman is named Kusunagi Motoko. The cyborg consciousness is fighting for its equality, carving a new place in the world. The same rules don't apply anymore. I don't hear you. <laughs> Please tell me you know this woman. Can we hear her name? Anybody? Eon Flux. <laughs> she is a sexy augmented superhuman set in the dystopic future. I think of all of the cyborg females that I am familiar with, she is my hero. So what do cyborgs, people who are abnormal, the people who have disabilities, all have in common? They have gone through some sort of trauma that has changed them. In turn, they receive a power only tr given to those who have truly experienced loss. The scar stays with them forever, informing their perspective and drive from then on. Coping with trauma is one of the hardest things we face as humans. Whether or not you can actually see the physical manifestation of a trauma, it is an invisible wound, an internal tattoo that, you, that we will never forget. This is why so many superheroes, sci-fi characters alike, have a dark side that cannot be suppressed. While it can manifest in destruction and rage and an endless desire of power, this, when funda this fundamental psychologic 
psychological human coping mechanism, when well-balanced, can be a humble yin to the yang of power. And when it is well-balanced, it can also provide endurance, wisdom, ultimately enlightenment, and that is what I strive for. So you ask, why am I here today? By the way, I carry my extra eyes in this little purse. See if I can get it out. Small. Right now I'm going to be taking out my cyborg eye. It's a simulation of a robotic eye. And putting in the prosthesis that I generally wear every day. This is what my eye looks out looks like without a prosthesis. It's really not that hard to put in, but when your hands are shaking, it's a little harder. <laughs> so you ask what happened to me. I remember it was dusk. I remember... It was long, windy roads. I remember the helicopter. I remember black. I heard that the Jeep rolled five times. I heard that there was a farmer working on his farm. He called the ambulance. I heard that they didn't know if I was going to see again. They didn't know if I was going to survive. I remember my parents' voices in the hospital. I remember I could not see. A year or so after some challenges, I learned that from pummeling my head that I had minor brain damage. Thus began the MRIs, neuroevaluations, trauma recovery therapy, and rehab. In my downtime, I started a blog and I started working on a science fiction script in, in a way to rebuild myself that I was not rebuilt in real life. And then I started doing research on bionic eyes. Issa wakes with a start at the reintegration ranch. Unwrapping the soft gauze from her aching head, she learns that they implanted a bionic eye and microchips into her damaged brain. Opening her eyes, she became, became, becomes dizzy, from the minutiae, details, and hyper-focus of her new robotic eye. I've always believed that you can write your own reality. So as I was working on this script, I was also noticing the miniaturization of technology, of camera phones. And of course, with Moore's Law, it, it happens more rapidly. So I thought I would actually try to do this in real life. And then as fate would have it, I met someone who would alter the course of my life. I was working at the San Francisco International Film Festival, and I knew I was going to be meeting Kevin Kelly, the founder of Wired. I thought, who other would be the perfect person to talk to about my idea? So I had a window, and I went for it. I told him about my idea. He liked it. <laughs> and he told me to... Uh, put together a call for engineers, 
And then he uh, posted it on his blog. And I have to tell you, it went viral. It was extremely frightening, the amount of uh, media. It was a, quite a media circus that I, pummeled, I, was already, I was in the middle of. But the population that really struck me, that wrote to me on my blog, were the other one-eyeds. The other one-eyeds used my blog as a forum to discuss what had happened to them. There were people who had lost their eye from cancer, vets coming back from Iraq who'd lost their eye, parents with children who'd lost their eye. Somehow I had struck a necessary chord. People needed to feel like they could rewrite their own lives. They did not want to stand behind victimhood anymore. This was a film that was screened at TEDx San Francisco uh, at uh, Alive, the maximum living as being in being human. With the exposure, so this film was actually about my project. It was directed by Phoebe Took. She is a collaborator of mine, an experimental documentary filmmaker. So with this exposure... ...markers of memories for me. This is why I posted a call to engineers to build... I'm a being interrupted by myself. ...to be implanted in my prosthetic eye. The response stunned me. It was an international curiosity. Also, I had unintentionally triggered a dialogue about what it meant to be human. This quote is written by Amy Mullins. She is an actor, athlete, activist, and she's a paraplegic. It is a conversation about augmentation. It's a conversation about potential. A prosthetic limb doesn't represent a need to replace loss anymore. It can be a symbol that the wearer has the power to create whatever it is they want to create, whatever it is they want to create in that space. So people that society once considered to be disabled can now become the architects of their own identities. She currently has six legs. She is definitely one of my heroes. I would love to have six eyes. With the exposure of the TEDx San Francisco event, I ended up launching a Kickstarter campaign last year. And we were successful, we met our goal, and with uh, the funding is actually going to be the seed money in building the prototype of my uh, camera eye. So I went through many different engineers and I finally found one that was a perfect fit. Uh, we are in, in uh, initial stages and um, hopefully by the end of the summer we'll, I'll have a prototype uh, that, a working prototype that you can all see on my blog, itanya.com. So, uh, unfortunately right now my engineer prefers to be anonymous. Um, parts are falling off here. Uh, and, uh, but he is definitely a big aspect of my project. So the specifications of the camera are here. I also have specifications for the external mobile application. Here's a little animation.
My bionic wish list is uh, having solar kinetic power, sensors that respond to blinking, enabling the camera to take still photos, zoom, focus, and turn on and off, a dilating pupil with change of light, infrared, ultraviolet, geotagging, facial recognition, watertight, and of course, verisimilitude. And I can't finish up without talking about a very important player of my project who was with me since the beginning. William Dance, he is my ocularist. He is a fifth generation ocularist. His great great uncle invented the glass eye in Germany. He is very passionate about this project. He brings the history and legacy of furthering the advancement of prosthetic eye technology. So this is him uh, creating a prosthesis for me. And this is a quick rundown on how dance makes prosthetic eyes from the Los Angeles Times. Each eye is custom made. When a client comes to his office, dance makes an impression of his or her eye socket with the same materials a dentist uses to take impressions of teeth. He then makes a model from the mold using acrylic plastic. The iris and pupil the iris, the pupil, and the whites of the eye are hand-painted in oils and the acrylic prosthesis to create the appearance of blood vessels. This is my favorite part. Dance painstakingly separates the strands of a single thread with a pair of tweezers, then cements them individually to the whites of the artificial eye, imitating natural patterns. It was in his office that I first saw the Eye of Horus, it is a symbol of representing a fight that happened between two ancient Egyptian gods. Horus was the god, uh, the falcon god, god of the sky. It was believed that his right eye was the sun and his left eye was the moon. He was in a fierce battle with Set. Set was a storm god associated with strange and frightening events such as eclipses. Storms, thunderstorms, earthquakes. His, the, his glyph, his hieroglyph, appears uh, in Egyptian words for turmoil, confusion, illness, storm, and rage. Thoth, the god of logic, science, and invention, came to Horus, and with a team of deities of the same qualities, together they restored and rebuilt Horus's eye. I chose this logo to represent my project because of the parallels of what I want to do with my eye and also because of what it elicits, a feeling of insight, a sense of insight, healing, and renewal. Shortly after my accident, a dear friend of mine, Marcella, took me on a ranch adventure. These images above are the first images that I took with only one eye. The journey of photography that I am working on right now is searching for those otherworldly moments and expressions of joy and pain that make us uniquely human. This project I entitle Ojo de los Momentos, Eye of the Moments. Whatever I choose to see and end up sharing is symbolic of bringing light to darkness and artificial life where otherwise was emptiness. 
in those invisible moments after my accident when I was neither here nor there, floating above an ethereal dimension, I gained perspective about the treasures of life and love. Thank you very much. Please continue with me on my journey at itanya.com.